With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome to the 5 Fan Podcast. Hey. Pod 408 uh, and Palace have beaten Everton 3-1 uh, in the Jack Pierce derby. And we'll be talking about that <laughs> game with Mr. Jack Pierce. Hello to you. Hello, fresh from the derby. Yeah, I haven't spoken to my father <laughs> since, so um, we'll need to do that. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a rare Palace win in that fixture. So uh, very, very happy bunny after yesterday's uh, very, very good performance as well. And you got, I texted you this after the game, you got exactly what you asked for from last week's pod. I did. I think um, I asked for Andros to be politely clapped off at 2-0, but I'll take a 3-1 instead. So, um, <laughs> Andros, thanks for, uh, thanks for your polite return nod towards the fans, but he didn't look very happy walking off the pitch, as, as I guess you wouldn't after being part of that non-performance by Everton. But, um, yeah, Palace fans were, were very polite. And um, and I hope Troy's happy with the uh, the nod that we gave to, to his son. <laughs> yeah, it all sort of went weirdly unpalace like went to script. Uh, and let, let's bring in our other panellist today. It's Mr. Dom Fifield. Hello to you. How are you? Hey, JDM. Oh, okay, that was a massive, massive improvement in the afternoon, given that I spent the morning coaching, managing <laughs> my boys under 13 team to an 11-0 defeat at uh, Isha, Isha Yellows, who... Mm. Quite frankly, even mentioning their names sends shivers down my <laughs> spine. Most un- uncharacteristic capitulation from the from the boys. So there's an awful lot of pressure on the management team now. Apparently, I, I'm lacking uh, under 13s Division One experience, um, and my coaching staff are much better. <laughs> uh, do, you, uh, uh, do you do you coach a team to an 11 nil defeat? Believe me, it felt like it yesterday. Uh, literally every single decision made from the sidelines backfired. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I feel a bit sorry. There's football training tonight, so quite frankly, there's going to be a fair bit of whip cracking. Um, so I'm just getting 
worked up for that by talking well, about you'd, the you'd better hope the cars. fans aren't allowed down to the training grounds because uh, I'm sure there'll be banners <laughs> and ultras and flares <laughs> and the whole, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're gonna you, you'll probably be replaced by whatever the Roy Hodgson equivalent <laughs> or is of um of your boys team I will be as well, issuing, so. issuing a, a statement later this evening <laughs> and um, but no comment for the moment <laughs> <laughs> probably wise um right before we get into that Everton win uh let's do a drum roll for a random patron please it's Sarah Adamson. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. One of our older patrons. As in, as in, she's been around wow. for a while. I've no idea. Wow, what wow. She is. JD, <laughs> dearie <laughs> me. Oh. Wow. The oh, travel offensive dear. has begun. <laughs> oh, have you mentioned the clothing yet? Dear oh, me. Oh, my God. That was that's <laughs> Just to confirm, we don't know how any how old any of our patrons are. That's not the sort of information that we get from them. But uh, Sarah's been a patron since 2019. So we very much appreciate her, her support. So, so let's thank and her for her loyalty rather than the suggestion <laughs> yeah, that she's of older age. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, to be fair, though, if you have been loyal, you're going to be a bit older anyway, just because you spent time supporting that thing. So, no, yeah. anyway, Sarah, I'm sorry for the worst shout out we've ever done on this podcast, but thank you for your support. We do appreciate it. it. And all our patrons, probably <laughs> <laughs> 11 nil, <laughs> me, age shaming Sarah. Um, you can join our patron like Sarah did uh, at patron.com forward slash FYP podcast, and you can get post match podcasts, uh, patron only merchandise, and access to the Patreon only Discord club. So please do sign up at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Uh, all patrons get 20% off our line of merchandise at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Um, and we've got some new lines, including the exclusive FYP football shirt um, and our Hills for Heroes t-shirts uh, modelled at the live pod by the one and only Dan, Danny Butterfield. And currently, everybody, patrons and public, get 20% off on those t-shirts right now uh, until December the 19th. So a perfect Christmas present for a Palace fan in your life. Um, at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Um, a quick shout out as well. We had the uh, signed Guaita Gloves auction that we're running this week for the Crystal Palace uh, Disabled Supporters Association. And I'm delighted to say that we've raised uh, £1,000. Uh, wow. In the, in the end, we had, we had two, two big bids from two generous listeners. I don't know if they want to be named, so I won't name them. But thank you very much. They know who they are for their support. And so we've raised £1,000 for the DSA. And that will keep them going and doing what they do for the next year or so. So thank you very much uh, to everyone that got involved in that and our two winners. And a big congratulations to the latest member of the pod family. <laughs> it's Cameron Scott James Sutherland, uh, Robin Allison's baby that was born... Uh, in the wee hours of this morning. Um, so a very good 24 hours for Rob indeed um, after that win. Slightly disappointed that they didn't go with the name Connor, I'll be totally honest, but Rob did say that he did give it a go and uh, but, and uh, was given the no. But anyway, uh, congratulations to Rob and Alison. I'm sure all our listeners will be sending their love and congratulations uh, to them both and to little Cameron as well. Uh, right, let's crack on. I'll go to you, Jack, obviously, as it was the Jack Pierce derby uh, for that when we've obviously there's some big individual performances that we'll come to in a bit um but first of all i've just sent this to dom off air um the premier league is so competitive that obviously you can go a few weeks and suddenly pressure piles and the last few weeks palace haven't been terrible but obviously those results haven't been perfect and i think it was a sort of game this 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 game on sunday um where none of us like to quite admit to ourselves that it was actually a very a big game and Conor Gallagher said as much afterwards in his uh, in his sort of press conference so what it needed really was not just a result it needed a performance to show 
you know, to show everyone that this team is still on track. And I think really, and yes, you d- you gave a nod earlier to maybe not quite the vintage Everton performance, but from a Palace perspective, I think we got the performance that we needed at that particular time. Yeah, I think it was a collection of really good individual performances which contributed to a, a much, much better team performance. We were better as a unit um, throughout the pitch. We were better defensively. Our midfield looked a lot more cohesive and we were more of a threat going forward. So all in all, that was about as good a performance as I think any of us had hoped, given the kind of build-up of pressure that had come the previous uh, two weeks or so, since since, since the Villa game, I guess. Um, so, yeah, really, really pleasing afternoon. Um, as I said, lots of really good individual performances, but credit should also go to, to Patrick Vieira, and we talked about it on last week's pod, that there maybe were, for the first time this season, questions about Vieira's choices and, and, and his approach to games. And I think he, he got it right. I mean... Got to call Everton out for what was a pretty bang average performance. They were not good in in any element of the game, and 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 their goal. I mean, at one point they could have equalised to make it two two, which really would have been a travesty given how poor they'd been. But you've got to beat what's in front of you, and I think we applied ourselves really really well from from the first whistle. I thought we were the much better team, and um, yeah, but absolutely what was needed. Uh, tonic to what had come before. And um, and going into a busy time of the season, probably the busiest time of the season in terms of fixtures, it has taken the pressure off, and, and that pressure was only going to build with uh, without the result and performance that came yesterday. So, really, really happy with with how we played, and, and obviously happier with the result. Um, topped off by a fantastic goal at the end by um, a guy who is just proving what a talent he is. Um, his performance yesterday was was excellent. Um, took the two goals really well, but I thought that was his best performance um, in James MacArthur's absence. And I've been slightly concerned um, mm. that Macca's influence over Gallagher was probably stronger than I thought it would be, um, given Gallagher's performances over the last month. Not that he'd been terrible, but just didn't have the same impact that he'd had. But yesterday he was right back at it and um, and, and ran the midfield um, along with, with Will Hughes and, and Koyate. Yeah, well, we'll talk about Will Hughes in a bit because I think actually that had an impact on on Gallagher's positioning during the game. Um, just quickly on on Vieira, that second Gallagher goal, my dad had to leave early to get the train back to um, to the south coast, and so he missed it by I'd say literally thirty seconds, which is it is. I think he was happy, obviously, that we scored, but that is that is bad time. He's been watching Palace so long, I'm sure he doesn't care, and just happy that we uh, got the result. Um, Dom, I couldn't work out last night if it was a case of Everton being particularly bad or Palace actually being quite good in containing Everton and I mean, we saw Richarlison go off in a half but really Palace gave him pretty much nothing all game although I do think from an Everton perspective that's a bold substitution from Benitez although he would argue it did pay off with Rondon's goal so I, I want to talk about Vieira actually because we had alluded to the fact that the pressure was on him and in fact Gareth Richards hello Gareth hello Gareth um, has said would you say the gaffer got it right today uh, would you agree with Jack on that yeah, he got it right. I mean, because the, the team put in a performance and they won the game. Um, I think I think Everton's very passive performance definitely played into Palace's hands and allowed them to to get on the front foot from the start. I think when you when you saw what Everton were capable of for that period in the second half and how f- not well yeah there was a fragility there to palace because of, because of recent results and the and confidence having taken a bit of a battering over four winless games um uh, you know everton would look at that and thinking well why the hell weren't we more proactive in the opening period mm-hmm. i mean even even for like a 5 10 minute stretch of that first half they 
they sort of roused themselves and 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 made yeah made it life less comfortable for palace but but palace dictated it palace palace were there and and and, and they set the rhythm and set the tone of the performance with their with their opening first 10 15 minutes which were outstanding and the only thing they lacked was a goal and if I had stuck his chance away, then, you know, you'd looked at it and thought, well, the floodgates could really open here. Um, I, I, but look, in the, in the circumstances, to, to, be up against a, to be up against a manager who seems strangely reluctant to let Everton off the leash until the, the game was pretty much, not gone, but was, was getting away from them at 2-0 down, I mean, that's, that's ideal for, for Patrick Vieira, because... This is a massive week for Crystal Palace. It's it's not just Everton. It's Southampton at home and Watford away. They're big, big games. They set the tone for the second half of the season. You win these matches, and you're looking up. You're looking into the top half of the table. You're thinking you're thinking about Europe. If you don't win these matches, or you worse, you lose them, then the whole complexion of of what you're you know what you're aiming to achieve for the rest of the season it's, it's about survival it's about it's about a grim relegation um, struggle to so to start this week with a performance that rampant that that impressive and to have players really clicking back into the the rhythm and upbeat tempo that they showed earlier in the season was absolutely outstanding and really really timely yeah, and I do think. I mean, you talked about Everton spells. Um, they did have that little, that little sort of rally in the first half when they had a few shots from outside the box. Slightly worried about Gray cutting inside, but it didn't really sort of test Guaita. And then obviously they scored the goal in the second half. And I have to admit that was the first time this season where I'd felt nervous at a Palace game and genuinely quite anxious and felt like we we're going to throw it away. Which is which is why Gallagher's goal was so nice because it, it it not just the joy of the goal, but it was a release. I think of pressure from everyone. You could sort of finally breathe and relax a little bit um but yeah it's it's it is a huge game and you're absolutely right to mention the games uh this week um let me just do read you one question uh one comment here from giles paley phillips who of course i do blank with uh is a good mate of mine um who says uh aging squad boring pragmatic football best player doesn't want to be there anymore andros townsend on the right wing playing evidence <laughs> everton today felt like playing roy era palace and it felt good to see how far we've come uh, and i think it does actually you're absolutely right and if we do well this week then it certainly puts a better spin on the second half of the season but jack let's move on to uh, a player that i think people have been waiting for us to mention so far this episode and that is mr will hughes the diet the diet goodbye um i need to actually start with an apology because I tweeted after the game, and I mentioned on the post-match pod, that when he was brought off in the 72nd minute, it sounded like from the back of the main stand where I sit that people were, were booing that substitution or possibly booing the um, Eduard to Benteke substitution. And my dad said, oh, I thought they were saying Hughes in a sort of Simpsons-style uh, response. And so I tweeted it, and people were implying saying they were saying Hughes. So it turns out I was wrong, and I've got the Palace fans at the back of their main stand completely wrong. So I apologise to anyone that was sat there that was saying Hughes, because I thought they were were booing that. I'm going to have to try and get used now to people saying Hughes (laughs) and thinking they're not not booing. Um, But it was... I was worried, Jack, slightly that obviously he'd we'd, we'd spoken about him so much and people have been clamouring for him to start that it, he'd, he'd got into that category of being one of those players that's better out the team than in the team. Mm. Um, and that maybe expectations might be too high for him. And if he turned up and played a five or six out of ten, I'd have been sort of quite happy. 
but it was almost a 10 out of 10 performance from him. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, he played that deeper pivotal role, which I wasn't expecting, but did it superbly. There was a pirouette in the second half. I mean, it was, it was a, a, as sort of introductions to, to the Palace crowd go. It was up there, wasn't it? It very much was. I saw him on the, on the team sheet getting the training with my mate and, and I expected Czech to sit at the base and, and Hughes to play on the left-hand side of the, of the two ahead. So when you know the first five minutes had gone by and it was quite clear that Hughes was playing deeper and Czech was playing a little bit more advanced, I was really intrigued to see how it went. Um, I think we've talked about previously this season that Hughes has played in that deeper role with Watford, sometimes as the one, sometimes as the two. So it's not a new position for him, but he, he dealt with it wonderfully yesterday. I, I thought he, certainly in the first half, he was the best player on the pitch. Um, he can go either way so he's happy to take the ball and uh, he's comfortable going either way which leaves the opposition you know uncertain as to as to how they're going to uh, approach him which gives him that extra bit of space and that's how a player kind of has that extra yard um, around him and I thought he was just very good put himself about uh, one free kicks was clever with his um, body in terms of um, you know getting getting fouls from from the referee um, and I just think we we looked a better team with 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 him there and then the, the pirouette in the second half, which you mentioned, I think you could almost classify that as a, as a double pirouette. I think in uh, ice skating uh, circles, that would be given uh, uh, lots of lots of compliments. That was excellent. That was that was really the moment that, if you're going to take away one moment, that was it, because it was just um, a lovely piece of skill. Um, great for him to get his first start. Great for it to be in front of, of the Selhurst crowd. Um, and again, it just kind of rammed home that, that feeling that he is probably the closest to goodbye that we've had in terms of his skill set. And if that allows the two that play um, more advanced in the midfield to um, to have a bit more trust in who's sitting behind them in terms of the quality of the the ball, they won't have to come as deep. Um, and it also gives options in terms of who uh, Vieira will look to play at centre half as well. In terms of it might not be as urgent to get Anderson back if you've got someone who's more comfortable on the ball playing in that in that kind of pivot role. But yeah, don't want to go overboard because it was just one performance, but it was a very very good one performance. It was indeed. And it, it does actually, I guess, throw up questions about uh, the sort of hierarchy in midfield now. I mean, Luca wasn't even on the bench. I suspect, Dom, maybe that was an injury issue of some sort. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a selection uh, a selection thing. But it, it, for me, Hughes, almost with that one performance, has, has, has jumped himself up into top four choice, maybe, of midfield, for that midfield three. So he's, he's certainly proven that we now have options in there. And crucially, and we talked about Gallagher earlier, and Dom, you talked, gave some very interesting insight on the pod last week about IU on the right and the, fa- the, the, the space he creates for Gallagher. And in fact, we saw fant- that those two linking up fantastically last night. But we seem to see the Conor Gallagher of earlier this season. And do we think that is sort of cause or correlation of Hughes being in there in that midfield three? That's a good question. I'd, I'd have to go back and, and look at, exactly where he was picking up the ball and where whether he was liberating Gallagher in particular. I suspect actually that's that's probably more born of IU's ability to hug that touchline and discomfort um Ben Godfrey, who although he had that one very, very good run in the first half early on, which yielded a chance actually for, for Everton. He's he looks a centre half playing left back. Yeah. And yeah. IU IU was able to sort of track that 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 channel down right extreme on the right and and that pr- just opened up that space that Gallagher loves to exploit and, and yeah their combinations were great Hughes Hughes as a sort of deep lying midfielder is is interesting because that, that's what he was doing at Watford 
It's not what Palace thought they were going to use him as when when he joined, I don't think. I think they threw him more as an eight. But it was more the combination with Kiate. Where we saw Luca and and Chick Kiate look so uncomfortable together, Hughes and Kiate sort of dovetailed. And if you look at the statistics from that game, Kiate does make the more interceptions and he, he does break the the play up more he does clear the ball more and and does the type of job that you'd expect a sort of deep lying midfielder to, to do whereas Hughes is the more comfortable in possession he's the one with I think he misplaced three passes out of the 42 he made and some of those considering though he takes the corners on one side I imagine those three were probably from corners not not mm. finding a palace head um so he he it's it's almost i don't think you can single out Hughes as playing as a number 6 and and Kiate as an 8 it's almost like they're interchangeable and that if if there's a need to be destructive then it's not Hughes who's making the tackles it's actually Kiate it's Kiate who's reading the play and working out how to intercept a a pass and maybe that reflects where Everton were pushing forward but i suspect that um of all the number 6s that Palace have used this season Hughes's performance yesterday was probably the most forward thinking of them um, and you've rather preempted my winner and loser there, but I, you know there probably will be implications for Luca, unfortunately. Um, and it's a, it's a legacy really of of that performance against Aston Villa, and and how it just didn't click as a as a combination. Whereas at the moment Vieira obviously likes the way Chikiate plays and what he offers the team. Quite rightly, he's done well this season back in midfield. Um, and if if he's going to find a way of liberating um, Gallagher and one of the other two, that might be Hughes sometimes, then if this balance works, then brilliant. However, I would I would say, I would add as a caveat to this, Everton were, as we said, very, very passive. They didn't press particularly. Let's see how they do on Wednesday against Southampton, who are much more frenzied in the press, who who will be all over Palace whenever we have the, we're building up play slightly from the back. I, I think Hughes has got the capabilities to, to do well in that. And to, to he's, he's so calm on the ball. That seems to be his biggest asset. He, just, he has it, and he just never looks flustered, even when he's doing your ice skating pirouettes everywhere. He's, it, it's, it's whether Palace can then escape the Southampton press and, and do what Arsenal did so effectively on Saturday um, against them on Wednesday night. And that will, that will really reinforce his position in midfield if he does that. Yeah, he, he almost seemed to have the sort of Jordan Ayew style of managing to get body between ball and man and sort of hold on to it in tight spaces, which, again, I've not really seen this guy play before, so I wasn't sure what to expect, but that was particularly impressive. And, and well, we can come on to Luca in, in, in winners and losers, um, but we should probably point out that Luca's had a few spells in his Palace career where we thought he was done for and he has returned. And you don't, the football season is long and there are many twists and turns. We don't know what happened with Hughes. We don't know what happened with Luca. So, uh, but we'll talk about that in part two. But another player who we've talked about a lot, Jack, already, who has had many returns in his Palace career so far is Jordan Ayew. A number of times. It's literally week to week that we're talking about, right, does I need to be out to, oh, is I you one well, you know, look at this fantastic performance. And and again last night it was another fantastic performance. And and maybe maybe it's a uh, uh, Vieira deserves a bit of credit because it was the right player to take on as Dom says a, a, a center back playing at full back and uh, you know maybe Elise maybe wouldn't have had as much joy but are you being more experienced was able to really punish uh, punish Godfrey and and occupy him quite a lot and um maybe should have scored early on picked up a good assist though for the opening goal which is a crucial one to score but are you is 
an interesting player, isn't he? Because I really think he divides the fans. A lot of people, I think, can appreciate the work he does. And it's undeniable when you watch him play live or on TV how much effort he puts in. But a lot of people get frustrated by the lack of quality and the lack of goals. I th- believe that was his first assist slash goal involvement this season. So, yeah, he's only going to be constantly going to be a theme on this podcast. But it's, but it, it's difficult to look past last night other than anything other than a fantastic performance. Yeah, <clears throat> he does divide fans. But there'll be no division after that performance yesterday in terms of that particular performance. That was that was nine out of ten, ten out of ten levels yesterday. He was a menace. He and I was an advocate of of maybe giving Elise a run out against Godfrey. But actually, as, as Dom just touched on there, the the beauty of of Ayu is how tight he stays to the right hand side and his ability to maintain ball control on the right hand side against a right footed centre half playing at left back was was one of the key elements of yesterday's game, and it's why he he had such a good game. Um, his quality into the box was good. Um, obviously, we'd like him to have taken that chance, but it's not an easy chance. And he's he's playing against England's number one, um, and it was it was a good save by Pickford. Um, but his his energy levels were insane. There was one bit, and I think Glenn Murray picked up on it on, on Match of the Day too, um, which I I did watch through rather hazy eyes. I'll be honest. I think it was mentioned, <laughs> but uh, it may not have been. But there was one in the um, in the first half where he tracked basically diagonally across the pitch. Um, and yeah. we were light. We we had maybe overcommitted, and he notices that he has got a bit of a, a sensor um, in terms of his defensive responsibilities. And he tracked back to left back and and knocked it out for a throw in, which was which was very very good and and important. But going forward, because I often think maybe I use in the team because of that ability to come back and and do that that you know more more dogged work. But actually yesterday, going forward, he was he was a delight to watch. Uh, as I said, his quality into the box was good. He got the assist. Um, which was one, but he put in a very, very good cross, uh, which I think led to to Zaha having a shot, which um, which Pickford palmed away, um, and maybe if Benteke was on, Benteke gets above uh, Holgate, who I think Edward was was battling with. But yeah, I thought I was just just really, really good yesterday, and probably is the place for for the next few games. I, I certainly wouldn't expect him to not start on on um, on Wednesday against Southampton, who I think are playing Carl uh, Walker Peters at left back. They, they were last time I saw them. So, again, mm. he's playing against a right-footed defender, albeit a full-back. But, again, you'd think his ability to, to maintain you know, control on the, um, on the touchline will, will give Walker Peters difficulty. Um, so, yeah, really, really good performance by him yesterday and uh, delighted to see him get the praise that he, he fully justified. Do we, Dom, do we just need to accept... And, in fact, I've got a few questions here that I'll put in. One's from the Hong Kongese, Tommy Shelby. Hello, Hello, Tommy. I've Tommy no idea if that's a reference to what something a or yeah. what. I have no idea. Um, who says, um, how good a player would I be if he scored goals? And then Castle, three A's, uh, six, five, four, seven, nine, six, six, six. I feel like I've just read out someone's uh, credit card number there or something. Um, <laughs> says, um, are you performance? Does the work he puts in and how he played today make up the lack of finishing and goals? Do we just need to accept that Jordan Ayew is a player where you know what you're getting and the output isn't going to be as effective as Zaha or an Edouard or an Elise, but what he does do for the team is almost unrivaled in certain categories. We probably do, yeah. We probably do. I mean, look, if if, if he allied goals with the work rate and and um, 
ability to stay fit as well, uh, the pace that he's got, the skill, the close control, and the and the ability to win free kicks whenever we're seeking to clear our our box, whether <laughs> whether some of those are soft or not doesn't really matter. But if if, if all those if all those factors were taken into account and he was scoring 20 goals a season, I, I doubt he'd be playing for Crystal Palace. To yeah. Be yeah, he, would, he would have cost £2 million. Pounds at least <laughs> like anyway. so, yeah. I mean, his, his career, he's, Pat, I'm just looking at it now, he has scored, in terms of league goals, he, he's, he's, he's got 10 for Palace now. Um, I say now, he's got, he's got 10 for Palace, it's not now. Uh, he's, he, obviously, the last one was against Leeds <laughs> last season. Um, but, I mean, he's, the most he's ever had at any club was 13 at Marseille, and he played over 100 games for them. 12 for, for Lorient, although I'm not sure that Lorient were in the, in the first division in France when, they, when he had his season there. They may have been, apologies to Jordan, if so. But he's not prolific, he never will be prolific. But it, it can't be a coincidence that so many managers seem to love him I mean I was name dropping shamelessly I was talking to Paul Clement um, about a few months back and ostensibly we were talking about managing Cristiano Ronaldo somebody that he worked with at Real Madrid and weirdly, Jordan Ayew came up in the conversation because he had him at Swansea and he worked his socks off for him at Swansea and he loved him. He absolutely loved him. Um, Roy Hodgson loved him at Palace and, and he got lots of game time under Roy. And, and now Patrick Vieira really likes Jordan Ayew. And, uh, you know, these guys know what they're talking about, even if, you know, they don't, they lack Premier League experience and, and need new coaching stuff. Um, but, <laughs> they they know what they're on about and they they recognize the qualities that he brings um to palace and and yeah it's he he fully merits his his inclusion for for southampton and and, and beyond i mean you'd have him in every away game i know i know he was frustrating at, at manchester united with the miss but again i imagine that work rate wise he he would have put it in that day. Uh, definitely at Ellen Road, he was our best player in the first hour, yeah. and then he faded, um, like a few of them did. But, but again, just the sheer amount of work he does, that shouldn't really come as a surprise. And, and the, the brilliant thing is that this Palace team have so many nice options to throw in. If he does give them a, an hour where he just runs himself into the ground, then you bring on Elise and, you know, Carl Walker-Peters or Tino Livramento, whichever side... You know these guys operate on. They're not going to relish the prospect of first quelling Jordan Ayew at running at them, and then having to try and stop Michael Olise or Iberici Eze or coming them as well. So they're great problems for Vieira to have. I think if you're a new manager as well, going into a sort of new setup, your 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 first first thing you do is look at the players you can rely on. Who who can I rely on in my squad to do a job for me? And 100% Jordan Ayew is that guy. And actually, I mean Conor Gallagher is Jordan Ayew. Plus, plus everything else. Conor Gallagher has the work rate and has the ability to score goals and, and, and the touch and everything, which is why he won't be at Palace next season and he'll probably be in you know Chelsea's starting lineup. But that work rate that Ayu does, that work rate that Conor Gallagher does, that work rate that Maka does, that is very Crystal Palace. And I think that is something that good teams throughout the years, and I'm looking back to the Miles and the Ledleys and all those, and the Jeff Thomas and Andy Gray, th- th- that is a quality that Palace fans really, really relate to and relish and enjoy. And I think Jordan Ayew has it. He just doesn't happen to have all the other bells and whistles that go with it, but he does have a, a quintessential Palace quality about him, and I think that's why a lot of people do have a lot of time for him, and quite rightly. And he, does get, um, he gets absolutely battered. I mean, he took two shockers from uh, Decore and Gray yesterday, um, 
and he does like he does roll around a little bit, but he's up, and then he's, you know, as, as Dom just touched on, there, his fitness rate is is excellent. He he's very rarely unavailable, um, despite being on the end of of quite often bullish tackles, uh, for want of a better term. And, and I don't know if we'll talk about Benteke's tackle on Coleman, which <laughs> didn't look especially great, but. Um, the one especially uh, graze on on I looked very very yeah. painful, um, yeah. and he's up and again and he's running at Godfrey within thirty seconds. So, yeah, I, that performance was just a reminder for everybody of the quality he's got and the role that he's playing within the squad at the moment, and it's a very important one. And also, I think a reminder that that nine goal season a couple of years ago was just to be enjoyed and not to be expected, and it was just yeah, it was a, it was a unicorn season. As no one says in the industry, but I've just decided to make a thing. Um, I, I, I would provide a reply if I knew what that meant, JD. But yes, <laughs> Google it. Actually, don't Google it. Don't Google it. Um, it's just you know special, spe- rare, special, rare, rare. special, rare. <laughs> or yeah. doesn't exist. Is that what you mean? <laughs> doesn't basically, doesn't exist. Shouldn't exist. Shouldn't exist. But, shouldn't exist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll pick our winners and losers. It's the holiday season, so if you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift for the hairy guy in your life, look no further than Manscaped, the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, who have served more than 4 million men worldwide, which, like Joshi Manson playing out of defence, is a lot of smooth balls. And you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code FYP. Jack, you've been sent the latest bundle from Manscaped, and (laughs) pardon the pun, but it is an impressive package, isn't it? Very good package. Very high quality uh, stuff, and uh, yeah, you, uh, lots of uh, lots of options for you to uh, to look at and and analyse before you make the final decision as to to what you're going to do. But the the best part of the box for me was the nose and ear trimmer, um, which, uh, having entered my thirties now, I, I understand I require. Um, so very grateful that was that was a bit. But again, very high quality, and um, yeah, being being put to use uh, suitably. Fantastic. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, and inside you'll find their Lawn Mower Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. It also includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximise your hygiene routine. The Performance Package also comes with two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Now, these are our picks for Manscaped Surefire Win Stocking Stuffers. Number one, number one, the Manscaped Signature Cologne. Number two, Shears 2.0 Luxury Four-Piece Nail Kit. Number three, Crop Mops Ball Wipes. Number four, Crop Reviver Ball Toner and Refresher. Small enough to fit in a stocking and big enough to change a man's life. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free and paraben-free, so you know their products are legit. Make sure you hurry to their site to ensure these wild gifts show up before Christmas and while you're at it, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code FYP. Whether it's for your partner, your dad, your brother or friend, get them something they will actually use. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code FYP. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Uh, welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod 408, and it's time for winners and losers, which of course is our patron-only section of the main pod. So if you want to hear our winners and losers, go to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast, and you can sign up. The cheapest tier is £2.50 a month, and in that you get uh, the post-match podcast after every game, which, if you're listening on the public feed, you will now hear a clip 
um, from last night's post-match pod. So uh, let's do that. Now, the post-match pod uh, from last night features uh, Travis, who made a cameo, Selzy, and imminent father, Rob Sutherland. Uh, so let's make that split now. I thought we were very good from the start, really. Um, you know, particularly Jordan Ayew and Will Hughes in the first sort of half an hour of the game. Will Hughes seemed to give us that balance, perhaps, that we've been missing, a bit MacArthur-esque and a bit of composure. Um, and Jordan Ayew, I probably wouldn't have played, was uh, fantastic in possession with us and clever and carried the ball inside and really, you know, posed a threat and was a real good outlet for us as well at times. So I thought both of them did particularly well in that first half an hour. And we had a few chances. Jordan Ayew, unfortunately guilty of a, a, a big miss with the one where uh, Jordan Pickford blocked it with his legs. Um, and funnily enough, I thought we scored just when we seemed to sort of be slightly running out of gas, having had a sort of high-level start, really. I thought it was quite interesting because we put some... We had that one move early in the game where Jordan and I got slid in down the right-hand side and he whipped over that cross. Mm. And I couldn't help... I was chuckling to myself thinking, oh, we've got Edward today. If it was Benteke, that would have uh, ended up going in. But Edward gives you a different thing, his mobility, he's cleverer with the ball at his feet and that sort of stuff so, you know, it swings and roundabouts in that respect, but I thought the goal came at the right moment for us and you know, much as uh, we were very good at times you know, the manner of that goal and then the one just after half time, if I was and if it was Palace that had given those two goals away, I think I'd be very, very upset. Damari Gray with the casual nature of the of the first goal and um then uh, you know the corner for Tompkins to be free and have time to have a touch in the six yard box and still stroke it into the net was uh, was uh, you know I would be disappointed. But then I thought we got very loose. Then we were two 0 up and cruising and got quite sloppy with the ball and you know we're a little was a little bit too we were a little bit too easy ozy in possession and not really. Not really, I think, probably on it in that sense and, uh, you know, in cruise mode. And then you give a goal away and all of a sudden it became a very uncomfortable ride. And, you know, we were grateful to uh, Vicente for a sensational save low down. It was absolutely brilliant. Seven, eight yards. Terrific save, really terrific save. I thought he was actually very, very good in the game. His distribution was fantastic today. He was dropping balls on the sidewinder volley into forwards, and, you know, I just thought he was very good all round. And then, you know, just when that, I suppose that nervousness or, you know, that little bit of bottle, whatever you want to call it, I was certainly feeling very uncomfortable in my seat with the last sort of 10 minutes or so, and Yet you thought that they were sort of coming right onto us, but there was room in behind them. And if we could get good possession and slide a ball or two, we might get a third goal. But 
I mean, the third goal when it came was, again, from their perspective, you know, a horrendous decision by Seamus Coleman, I think it was, to play quickly. Ball ends up back in our possession and uh, Conor Gallagher's finish was absolutely Stuart O'Keefe-esque in the way that he bent that. It was Stuart O'Keefe against Sunderland about yeah, yeah. nine seasons ago. Will Hughes, we, we talked about, about him in the first half and the yeah. fact that he was a pivot in that midfield and, yes. and as a result, whenever he got the ball, Conor Gallagher seemed to get more of the ball as well. Yes. And that was almost like It was basically a like-for-like replacement for MacArthur Which we've missed in previous games He had a really good game, didn't he? What was slightly surprising for me Is that he played Will Hughes as the 6 Rather than the 8 And, yep. and Kiyati as the 8 And yep. Kiyati hasn't done well when he's played as a an 8 But it seemed to... There seemed to be enough rotation that it didn't sort of cause us too much of a problem. I was impressed with Will Hughes. I wasn't, when we signed him, I wasn't totally convinced about him, I have to say. He was the one signing I was a bit, hmm, I'm not sure, but I've got to say, you know, his 10 minute cameo at Leeds, he showed up all right, as you talked about when we were together last weekend. And I thought today, you know, he just, he was calm in possession and sort of brought a, a, a calmness and a smoothness to our transition from from uh, defending to attacking. And I thought it just, he, it looked a bit more, the performance looked a bit more like the performances up to the Wolves game, really. I thought we looked calmer, better. You know, everything was smoother. We were better in possession, creating some opportunities. But again, my the sort of downside of it for me is we don't put teams away all the time when we've kind of when we've got the upper hand. <coughs> we're perhaps not, you know, instead of being two 0 up at half time and having the game already half one, we then get that two 0 and we look like we're cruising and then. You know, everything get a bit loose and a bit sloppy and all of a sudden you're having an uncomfortable time and but for Bicenti's great save, it could be 2-2. God knows what could have happened thereafter. But it's a game with fine margins. And again, last week we had use miss and Fred pulled a goal out of the bag, not dissimilar in style to Connors today yeah. to a degree. And... You know, the the Leeds game, we've missed the chance and then got done with the rough penalty decision at the end of the Villa game. We weren't particularly good, but I think our XG was actually higher than Villa's for the game. So, again, perhaps just you shouldn't have lost, but I desperately needed to win today, I think, and, and I'm very relieved that we have, I have to say. There was just a bit more tenacity about Palace today, I thought, and, and that, that was Hughes that, that played a big part. Chiarte as well. Our centre-back pairing looked solid. Um, Mitchell, I thought, had a really good game against Andros Townsend. He, was a li- he struggled a bit when he um, when the young player for Everton came on in, late in the game. Uh, Anthony Gordon, was it? Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then Rondon coming on kind of roughed things up a little bit, but I also thought Benteke did really well when he came on. Yeah. In terms of just, uh, we were saying in the first half of the pod, um, him against May, uh, against Holgate was it was just men against boys really. Benteke just seemed to to have the physical element to it, and 
if it hadn't been for him, that kind of that opportunity that Gallagher got, I don't think would have happened either. So, well, I think they'd made the decision just before Everton scored to make those changes yeah. to bring Benteke yeah, and Slap on. I think they thought we're a little bit sloppy here, a little bit easy ozy. We need to bring Benteke on, put Slap into midfield, and we'll just go all out physical around the pitch, aggressive play longer for the last 20 minutes and see the game through but then that we conceded in that time that they were getting stripped off and ready to come on so they were then coming on to sort of see out a 2-1 victory really um, and you know I, like you say I thought Christian actually did a, a decent job and it's it's good to have a, a sort of variety of forward options in the sense that, I don't know what you both think, but you've got Benteke, you've got Edouard. I'd actually like us to, if we were trading uh, Mateta and if he goes back, that we got a sort of Andy Johnson, Danny Ings type one that sort of is very industrious, Shane Long type where they sort of run behind and stretch teams and yeah, but but someone that will stretch the 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 opposition and run behind them and stuff that would give us an, a diff, three sort of different type strikers, which I think would give us a a good balance in the squad, um, but. You saw that you had the benefit of Edward, and you also had the benefit of Benteke today. So, yeah, I think he can he can be quite pleased. I don't know why Tyrick Mitchell went off. I don't know if he was injured or, you know, but they made a decision to change him and put Kleine in. But Tyrick, again, you know, I think the season was finishing today. He'd be my player of the season for Palace, I think. Yeah, he's been excellent. And that's our winners and losers done. So if you want to hear that and you've just joined us back from the uh, public feed, go to patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, after the break, questions. When it came to interviewing and appointing a candidate for the top job this summer, Palace got it spot on. And so can you with LinkedIn jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. That's why LinkedIn jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster and free. Uh, JC, you're aware of LinkedIn jobs, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn as a consultant all the time because that's almost like where my uh, where my network is. And it, it is becoming more and more powerful as a tool to, to find either candidates for employment or, or freelance. But also, if you are like me or you're working for a company, it's, it's a great way to kind of put yourself out there. The algorithm eats you up in a positive way and your network who already know you get to know you even better and it really puts you you know on a kind of different step for thinking about jobs and then it also will give you um feed you jobs as well comparing to your match so it's it's powerful tool absolutely right create a free job post in minutes on linkedin jobs to reach your network and beyond of the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the uk 
Focus on candidates with the skills and experience you need. A bit like Palace trying to find midfielders younger than 45. Use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. And you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash FYP. Again, that's linkedin.com slash FYP to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Five Plan Podcast. Uh, Pod 408, it's time for questions from our listeners. Um, Loads of questions this week. We've covered a few in part one, so I hope people, uh, if you don't hear a question, at least feel like we've covered uh, your topic in part one. Um, As ever, we should really rename this part of the pod the Conor Gallagher section of the pod. We have got (laughs) questions about Conor Gallagher. How can you not after that performance uh, last night? Man of the match performance and uh, two two taken goals. The second one in particular, uh, I think will live long in the memory, to be honest. Not just because of the strike. But because of what it meant in that moment. So it was a very enjoyable goal. Um, as ever, Dom, people are asking questions about Conor Gallagher's future at Palace and what it means. Um, William Fortune 1. Hello, William. Hello, William. Hello, William. Much better than William Fortune, the sequel. Says, um, <laughs> are we being priced out of the Conor Gallagher each day? How much do you think we'd be paying if we were trying to get him in the January transfer window? Um, and if, actually, I've got... Alex Yurkhart has then got a suggestion, Dom, actually, which I'll put to you as well. Hello, Alex. This might be something Palace Hello, Alex. Hey, um, can try. With the new training ground, is there a large enough cupboard to hide Conor Gallagher in? <laughs> <laughs> then tell Chelsea he ran away from home and then register Conor Gallagher um, <laughs> for next season. Um, I'm sure, Dom, the, the things are changing day to day, week by week, I'm sure, aren't they? But this is going to be a question that fans are going to be asking uh, till the end of the season, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Look, it it is, and and we, we it goes back to what we we spoke about a long long time ago uh, about enjoying the the year long loan because because it's it's unlikely that Palace even before this run of form would have been able to spend the money that Chelsea would have wanted for Gallagher at the end of this season. That bearing in mind, and I always go back to this is the reference point um, when Palace tried to. By Mishi Bachuai, or they looked at 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 the Mishi Bachuai situation. Um, they were quoted; they, they took him on loan with an option to buy him for something ridiculous, like forty million pounds for Mishi Bachuai. So you can imagine what a, you know, an England midfielder um, yeah. is going is it would cost um, to get him in. And what is Gallagher twenty one? Um, so I mean, it's he's, he's he's in the pool. There you go, Jack. Hey, you've got the age <laughs> on the money. On the money. <laughs> He's actually 33. Um, He's 39. He's 39. Uh. Um, The interesting thing for me is is what happens in January. And not, not that I expect there to be a change, and obviously Palace would resist or attempt to resist and any 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 change, but it is Chelsea's policy, and I, I don't. I'll, I'll caveat this: I don't know the ins and outs of, Gallag- of Gallagher's arrangement with Palace uh, for the course of the year. But on a season-long loan, Chelsea tend to put in break clauses, um, where which can be triggered in January, um, and 
usually that's because a player that they've loaned out isn't in the team of the club that they that he's gone to and what's the point of a player going out on loan and not playing and therefore not building up the experience and 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 benefiting in that respect so they then recall them and they send them out somewhere else so you know well while Fark was at Norwich they might have considered recalling Billy Gilmore in January yeah, because yeah. he wasn't getting game time and then sending him elsewhere for the second half of the season now all the noises from Chelsea from Tuchel whenever he's been asked about it and from from Gallagher's camp and I'm talking not talking from the from the kid himself but from from um, his representatives are that that his season he's benefiting so much from playing regularly in the Premier League at Palace that there there will be no point bringing him back at all my my only concern is and for all the options that Chelsea have Midfield has been an absolute nightmare for them over this last month, and half the reason their their results fall well, not results, but their performances have fallen off a cliff to a certain extent. Certainly, the defensive record has suddenly been very tested. Yeah. It's because they've they've lost N'Golo Conte, they've lost Matteo Kovacic. Jorginho is playing with a with a back problem that's causing him severe difficulty. Sal Niguez has been an un. Parallel disaster since he's come from online from worked, Atletico Madrid. I mean, it's just yeah, not have. And actually, the the only one that's not playing in pain or playing struggling with injury at the moment is Ruben Loftus Cheek yeah. and you know <laughs> the irony of that um so it's in normal circumstances if these guys you know if this was if this was middle of January and all those guys were unavailable then I think they would be tempted to bring him back because he might get a game for them he might actually play quite a lot for them the, the hope is that Angelo Kante is back soon he's had a knee problem that Jorginho is still playing on through this back back problem and isn't he had a good game at the weekend um after some iffy moments in previous weeks um and that Matteo Kovacic has now recovered from his hamstring and he's now got covid so that that will be over in, in hopefully in a week's time so fingers crossed that means that Conor Gallagher Conor Gallagher's loan is not risked by Chelsea's problems in midfield um personally i think he, it would be madness for him to go back because i, I Palace and, and Chelsea play very, very, very different systems. Three four two one. He at Chelsea. He he's either playing in one of the two central midfield roles, which I yeah. don't think is his forte, really. I mean, Palace have seen the best of him as an attack-minded number eight, really playing on the right. Chelsea don't have them. They don't play those. That um, they they play two tens behind a striker, and they've got so many bodies in those tens, so many people that that, that could. Uh, that could do a role for them, do a job for them this season. But I do think that Chelsea will look at it and think, well, you know, would, would on the basis of what Connor's done this season at Palace so far, how many teams out there would relish the prospect of having Mason Mount and Connor Gallagher running at the next season behind a Romelu Lukaku? I suspect that will probably be ultimately where he where he goes back and and gets a chance at that Chelsea team because he's already showing himself to be far more effective than. Than Ziyech, arguably than Pulisic um, in many respects. So, see what yeah. happens in the summer. Tom, is there the issue that, you know, that the Palace and Chelsea have got a very good relationship mm. in terms of this kind of loan arrangement? I can't remember the number of players we've had before. Yeah, Batshuayi, Loftus Cheek, Loic Remy, <laughs> and, and I think Gallagher's the fourth one. Um, so, that's five separate spells if you include Batshuayi's two. Would they. Be concerned about risking that relationship if they were to cut Gallagher's loan short, or is that just the risk of the business? Is that just something that that they would take? Into consideration? It's just that we seem to have 
been a good, particularly Loftus Cheek and Gallagher. We we've been very good for them in terms of the development of of, of players in, in in what we've seen so far of Gallagher and what we saw of Loftus Cheek in his time with us. I don't think Chelsea would care about that. It's yeah. not. I mean, it's not as if. If they if they recalled him, and it's a massive, massive if. It's not, I don't think it'll happen, but, but if they did, it's not as if Crystal Palace are going to be in a position at the end of this season to, you know, when they're looking around thinking, well, we haven't got an awful lot of money to play with here. Um, yeah, yeah. Billy Gilmore. We won't available. take Billy Gilmore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is that situation. That, that is, all the power is with the, the parent clubs who have players on long-term contracts, and that's what Conor Gallagher has at, at Chelsea. Um he would just be he he's perfect for this Vieira team perfect for the way we want to play football um somebody somebody tweeted me yesterday actually I think it was a a Chelsea podcast group asking whether Gallagher's been more effective or less effective than Loftus-Cheek was with us in 2017-18 and they're incomparable because yeah. they're, they're completely different roles that they're playing, but they've both been perfect for the teams that they were in at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's an absolute masterstroke from Dougie Freeman, um, from the, the, the recruitment team at Palace, and and Patrick Vieira when he's seen what Gallagher can do and where he can fit into the way he wants to play football. I mean, he, he is an ideal signing for Palace. I'm not sure he would have necessarily had the same effect in a Roy Hodgson 4-4-2. Yep. I, 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 I mean, that's not a criticism of Roy. I just, I just I, You know, when you look back at it, and he, I can see almost why going back for Batshuayi at the time, rather than taking Gallagher, who hadn't been tested at all at top-flight level, made sense. Um, to a certain extent, but but my word, Palace have benefited this year from the year that that, that Gallagher had sort of warming up in the Premier League with West Brom, mm. and he's, he's he's been brilliant. He's been absolutely revelatory this season. I, I don't think he's a finished article, I and mean, that's that's the one thing that's really working in Palace's favour on this because he's perfect for what Palace want him to do at the moment. But I'm not sure he's necessarily quite um, smooth the edges yet in terms of fitting into a Chelsea team that will be competing for the Premier League title or Champions League next season or this season. Um, so hopefully that that stands us in good stead as well in terms of how how the clubs look at it because he will benefit from. Playing thirty four, thirty five games for Palace this yeah. this year, far more than he would having the odd twenty minutes and the occasional start Chelsea for the second half of the season. So much of football is timing and being in the right place at the right time, or often not being in the right place at the right time. We've seen so many players come to Palace, and you think, ah, oh, you'd be brilliant in three or four years. Jose Campagna came to Palace four or five years too early, but was clearly a good player, and is now you know doing very well back in Spain and. As Connor is at Palace at the exact right time, and if it just ends up being a year for the right time, as it looks like it will be, well, then that's a good year we all enjoyed. Um, Ian Matthews uh, Hi, Ian. simply Hello, Ian. says, Have we turned the Connor? Very good, Ian. <laughs> and that would have been the title before Jack had come up with the, uh, the William Hughes one. Um, Jack, did Dom answer your question about um, your loan question as well, though? Did that get. Did you. Feel like that was answered. Uh, yes, that's, that, that's all good. Yeah. Um, my, my only point about Gallagher is. is whether there is any scope for a second season-long loan next season, I guess that might be the best scenario that Palace could hope for. Because I, you know, with each passing wonderful performance from him, it's it's becoming glaringly obvious that Chelsea will want to fit him into their plans long term. But I just I just wonder whether, because of those kind of rough edges that that Don just touched on, whether there is scope for for maybe one more year out of the out of the Chelsea. Um, 
squad the, somewhere else the, and, the, and why not continue development where you develop so well already and then if we have two seasons of him then it's very unlikely that even if he come through our own system we develop him for any more than two exactly. seasons because he probably yeah. would have been picked up by great somewhere point. else yeah. so great point that, that's my that's my dream. Uh, you know, a second. That's all I want, Santa. A second year of a second year of Connor. The, the, the way things are looking at Chelsea at the moment, their entire back line virtually is out of contract in the summer. I mean, Aspilicueta, Rudiger, Christensen, Thiago Silva are all out of contract in the summer, and we'll take them. We'll take them. <laughs> but but the, you know, you, you'd imagine that some of those get new deals. I mean, Thiago Silva in particular, and probably Aspilicueta, although Barcelona are now sniffing at him. Um, Christensen should be sorted. Rudiger, I'm less sure. I think he probably ends up somewhere in Spain. But but the if if all of those guys, if some of those guys do leave, then you've got to imagine that Chelsea's priority in the transfer market in the summer is to bring in defenders, mm. which actually mm. doesn't work in Palace's favour, unless they feel as if a bit like last summer, where they spent £100 million on Romelu Lukaku and turned a profit in the market <laughs> uh, because they sold players of huge talent like like Guy, like Liveramento, uh, like Tamori, like Tammy Abraham. I mean, the, and they, they're quite shrewd in as much as they often introduce or in, put in buyback clauses into their deals where they can get a player back, either first refusal, or I think they've got that for, for Guy, or with like an Abraham or a Livramento where they, they, you know, if we bid a certain amount of money, then yeah. and he wants to come, then he's ours again. So it's basically a long-term loan in, in some ways, although Livramento is, I think it's about 40 million pound and then he sold him for five. Um, but that's that small change for Chelsea when they can raise funds in the market in the way they do with, with, with loan players sold and they may even get some shifts and seniors off the books as well. I mean, there are arguments for, for getting rid of a few come the summer. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. And, but, but the possibility of, you know, of Gallagher coming back on that has, to, has to be real. I mean, it has to be there. And you'd imagine that unless we you can't see Chelsea loaning into a, a to a direct title rival next season, if they decide that he needs to go out on loan just to get games again, not alone to a, you know, a team that they're going to be competing with at the top end of the table, in the way that they would look at Palace, and they, but they'd look at Palace and think, well, Palace might take some points off some of those. I mean, they've already done it this year, winning at the Etihad, um, and worked in 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 Chelsea's favour. So, given that the relationship he would have built up at Palace as well over this course of this season, you'd imagine there would be a good chance, if that scenario comes to pass, that he would quite fancy coming back, back again. But. You know, these are all leave some buts and maybes, so let's see what happens. Uh, and to be fair, if he did come back on loan, his second loan surely can't be as bad as Michy Batchwai's second loan at Palace, so... Um, or maybe, who knows? Anyway, um, I, I, guys, we've run out of time for me to ask you the Sophie's Choice question, so um, hopefully you both be back on next week, and maybe I'll do it then, because it, it, we haven't got that time. That was a deliberate ploy to waffle on about Chelsea, so we didn't get a Sophie's Choice question. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played, sir. Well played. Um, no, I'll ask you the next question, but uh, next, next week. Um, but anyway, for now, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got two games to preview. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month. 
a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod 408, and it's time to preview not one, but two games this week, as we said uh, earlier on. Two big games, Saints at home, Watford away. Uh, could very much set Palace up nicely for 2022, um, or make uh, the next month or so um, quite interesting. Um, obviously, Jack, we are recording on a Monday rather than the Tuesday because of the Saints game, so incredibly annoying scheduling for us uh, pod-wise. Um, so you've got a choice, Jack, actually. You can, you can preview them both together. You can skirt over Saints. You can talk about Watford. I don't want to influence you as a, you know, a part-time Watford enthusiast either way. But I will <laughs> ask you two questions at the same time to sort of get you on your way. And that is from, from, both from John Dodds, actually. So hello, hello, hello Dodsy. Um, in fact, they're both about Saints as well. Um, Hughes stays in for Wednesday, right? Question mark. Eduardo or Benteke versus Saints. So I'll let you run with that, Jack. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I've answered the huge one. He would definitely start for me. I, I, we haven't mentioned Benteke. I thought Benteke's uh, 20 minutes was a very good 20 minutes yesterday. Um, and uh, I didn't think Edward had a particularly bad game. I thought Edward, some of his uh, control yeah. and link play was, was very tidy, but it didn't really pose much of a threat. And um, I, I felt Holgate and Keane dealt with him relatively well. But when Benteke came on, within about 10 minutes, Keane and Holgate were, were shouting at each other. They were bellowing each other. Um, uh, from from ten yards across the penalty area, each other they just did not know how to deal with Benteke. So I I think Benteke might get a start, and I don't know whether Vieira is going to be getting in the pattern of rotating um, his main striker. But I, I certainly don't think Benteke did any harm for for those chances of starting on on Wednesday. I thought he was he was very effective and and, and contributed towards. Um, our, our, our good performance and and uh, yeah, I, I I think he he did he did really well and he he even though he was benched he he's not he, he's not showing any signs of a, of a tantrum or anything like that he he seems to know that if he's going to be used from the bench he's got a role to play and he's playing that role I thought he did it at Leeds albeit he should have scored um, and he did it again yesterday and I think 
I think that's a good thing for us. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would think Benteke's got a good chance of starting, and, and Hughes for me would would certainly um, keep his place. Look, I think these are two very winnable games, but with with saying that, they're they're two very winnable games also for Saints and and for and for Watford in in that sense. In that you know they they'll be looking at, at Palace, thinking yeah, you know they're they're, they're decent, but there's also they're also coming off the back of three defeats. So um, prior to yes, prior to yesterday, so. Um, really good chance for us to to go into the Christmas um, period on the on the back of some good results and and I think if if results go our way and and those two wins we could be as high as seventh or eighth come the end of the weekend which would be amazing but obviously there's a lot of football to be played between between then and now Southampton got rolled over scoreline wise but they didn't apparently play that badly against Arsenal um, Arsenal just took their chances and and and, and played quite nice football. Um, to get round Saints, and as Dom said earlier, if you get beyond Saints quite high press, then you're at a back line that you'd like to think Wilf, um, Ayu, and one of Benteke or, or Edward will have have a chance against. So I'm, I'm, you know, hopeful that we'll get something out of of um, of Wednesday. I think yesterday's result takes all the pressure out of out of Wednesday's fixture for us. Uh, sometimes that can be a good thing. Sometimes it can be a bad thing. I hope this time it's it's a good thing. And then and then Watford on on Saturday. Um, and last time I saw them, they I mean, it, albeit it was against City, but they were for for the first seventy minutes they they barely touched the ball. So I, I'm not I'm not sure they're especially good this this season. I think they've had some good results and some good moments, but I think um, Palace will fancy their chances um, going there as well and. Uh, obviously, what happens on Wednesday will dictate Vieira's team selection, and if, if it's a win on Wednesday, then it may be that the same team or the core of that same team plays three games in um, in, in six days, which which seems unlikely. So I'd imagine there'll be quite yeah. a lot of chopping and changing. Yeah, yeah it's it's it, it, it's a good chance for for some good results in a in a busy time of year, and and when fixtures come this quickly, if you could be, if you could take points from. From games that come quickly, the, the league table looks after itself, basically. Yeah, um, I think rotation is going to be key. Steve Burr, hello Steve, hey, Steve. Um, hello, has Steve. said rotation is going to be important this month. Question mark, what changes would you make for Southampton? Um, Saints, I believe, Dom, I saw on Twitter, so it must be true, um, have conceded the most... Actually, I heard it on Five Lives, there's more chance of it being true. Um, have conceded the most goals away from home in 2021. I believe so. Not particularly good on the road. And Watford, of course, had that last minute sucker punch at Brentford uh, on Friday night. And obviously, I know a few Watford fans from living out here and um, they're particularly concerned about the defence. I think the defence is a a big mess. And it's actually players like Emmanuel Dennis up front that are doing the business for them. And actually, the defence is is a shamble. So it is two winnable games. But as we said earlier, with sort of squad options um, that we have now, rotation is surely going to be key, not just this week, but this month. Yeah, absolutely. It does look like a real opportunity on Wednesday. I think the, the, the noises out of Southampton today, uh, on Monday, were that um, Armando Broja, another one of their Chelsea loanees, and Adam Armstrong, who both hobbled off on at Arsenal on Saturday, haven't trained today. So they're both serious doubts for Wednesday. Uh, che Adams is already out. Um, they've also got Willie Caballero in goal who's in his 40s and played his first game since in in the Premier League for some some time at the weekend. Dom, Dom, is it true that you gave him minutes for your son's under-13s team yesterday? Is that that also true? I can neither confirm nor deny this. And um, (laughs) as I say, the statement will be read later on. You can tune in uh, on Twitter. Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, they've got a few issues. I mean, they'll have Salisu and and Romeo back from suspension, presumably. Um, for the Palace game, but it, it looks as if they they look blunt and they look vulnerable, and you'd imagine that uh, yeah, definitely a, a Benteke um, and with good delivery. I mean, if Ayu puts in the kind of cross that Jack mentioned earlier, he would yeah. he, he'd, he'd relish that against Caballero in goal um, and a and a and a team that are struggling with confidence away from home. So fingers crossed for Wednesday night. I know we don't have a necessarily have a brilliant record at home to Southampton, but we had an appalling one against Everton. So this might be the week where we turn everything around. Um, Watford away. Watford's biggest game this week is at Burnley in midweek. That that is a huge huge match for them because if Burnley if Burnley beat them, then I think they go above them in the table. So Watford will be dumped into the bottom three ahead of the weekend. So. It's it, again on paper. It looks like a great time to be playing Watford. I mean, no Ishmael Assar, um, yeah. you know, who's who's out injured until the new year. No Ben Foster. I mean, all the all of Chelsea's favourites are, are out basically. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a great time to be playing them. Although Dennis has had a fantastic impact yeah. upon the Premier League today. He's very good. He is the man yeah, at the moment, isn't plan. he? He's he is overperforming. He's overperforming big time on his yeah. XG, but he is, he is scoring goals, which is all that matters, really. But look, it's we Palace have got to make amends at Vicarage Road for that rather anemic performance in the League Cup over this season, which ruined JD's night. And quite <laughs> frankly, um, back in the days when we weren't scoring goals, well... You know, yeah. hopefully we're, we've we've found some more rhythm in that department now, and we can go and show them what a real Palace team does. I've not seen us win at Vicarage Road for eight. I can't remember the last time, and I'm not going on Saturday, so maybe that's the the secret recipe that we needed. Um, <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much. That's the end of this week's pod. Loads to pack in, loads to preview. Thank you very much for doing that, Jack. It's been lovely having you on, and uh, hopefully see you next week. Well, thank you, JD. Yeah, uh, anytime. Um, unless it's at I can only really talk about Everton, so uh, <laughs> just, just bring me back on when we play them again in the new year. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dom can only talk about Chelsea as well, so that limits that option as just, well. Just but, blue teams, um, that's all we do. And I hope, I hope our, yeah, I hope our uh, Chelsea and Everton listeners have enjoyed this week's podcast. <laughs> exactly. Now, Dom, it's been lovely having you on. Thank you so much Apologies for joining Apologies for the Chelsea chat. <laughs> Uh, right, and that's it. Thank you uh, for listening. Thank you to our patrons for their support, of course, and you'll be getting post-match pods this week. Well, actually, Rob's just had a baby. You'll hopefully be getting post-match pods this week. We'll work, some, we'll work something out, so stay tuned for that. Um, and then, obviously, everyone else will be getting the main pod next week after those two games against Saints and Watford. But in the meantime, uh, stay safe, have fun, and we'll see you again soon. Goodbye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.